Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. I do not think there is a person on this planet who hasn't heard of Peloton, and for that reason, I am honestly beyond excited that my guest today is the absolutely wonderful Hannah Frankson, who is a Peloton cycling and tread instructor. Now, Hannah teaches at the um, Peloton Studios in London, where she delivers the most incredible, upbeat and amazing classes. Prior to Peloton, Hannah was a former competitive triple jumper, which is amazing. I can't wait to hear all about that. And she trained alongside Olympic level athletes for seven years. After she finished competing, she discovered indoor cycling, combining her passion for fitness with music and making exercise fun. And that is what we are all about on this podcast. So I'm so excited to have you, Hannah. How are you doing? Oh my gosh. I was just like listening to you do that intro with my with my hand, like with head in my hands. I'm like, I can't believe Alice is giving me a little intro like this. It's um it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And you're looking like absolute sunshine today. Now, obviously, in that intro, and one of the things that I loved hearing about is when people get into sport really early on, because 
Like I'm someone who discovered fitness later in life. I was that kid at school who was terrible at everything, never on any sports teams, never really found my thing. So I always love hearing from people who enter at a young age and like just really get on well with it. And I think it could be such an amazing journey and how it shapes your kind of upbringing, I guess. So competitive sport, talk to me about it. Yeah, so it's um, it kind of took over my teenage years and uh, all the way through uni and then when I finished uni I, I can't but I didn't know you didn't do it all the way through. I thought you were in this the whole time babe I thought you said oh, this no. the whole time okay I always knew I was quick and I started going to the track and training when I was like in was about 11 or 12 really enjoyed it and then I'd say when I was about 16 it starts getting quite serious so you start going tra- I was training I was finishing school or maybe you um sixth form I feel like it was school. I was finishing school and going straight to South London because I used to train in Crystal Palace. So I live in Essex and I was on the train down to Crystal Palace to train with a group that I couldn't find anywhere near where I lived. So I was doing big treks to train in another part of London. And I guess it was very different from all my friends uh, at the time. Yeah, it was it was great. Like I can, I can never fault what athletics did to my sort of life. I've got so many friends from the sport still. It's given me so many life lessons. I've pushed my body to to its upper limits. I've pushed myself mentally to my upper limits. And I feel like I did that all at an, quite an early stage in my life. So it feels like I've had two chances at life. Like I've had two chapters to my life, like this big sport version, this big competitive sport version. And then I put that one to bed and I got to start a whole new version of myself almost. Yeah. And let's talk about that because, you know, you describe it as two chapters, which means that I guess one had to have a kind of ending and we've interviewed a lot of kind of professional athletes on this podcast and one of the interesting shifts that I'm fascinated by is that kind of end of a professional career or end of pursuing that professional career and what that does in terms of a shift of identity and a shift of who you are as a person and where you kind of belong and you know fitness has been a huge part of your upbringing it sounds like it's filling up a whole you know load of your time and extra time and for that to kind of then go into the background must have been a really interesting shift so I'd love to hear about that I feel like I didn't actually say I used to so I used to do triple jump which is very short sharp and choppy so all my training was based around power so the only time I would do anything long would be in the winter so I spent like it was all like power lifting it was lifting a lot of weight quickly and it was drills and it was plyometrics it was all this like short sharp work and when I left athletics I kind of thought oh let me just keep training the way that I've already trained almost so I was still doing all that short sharp choppy work and I was like why am I doing this I'm not I'm not an athlete anymore it was like the biggest sort of like identity crisis ever I think anyone can say that I also left athletics feeling like at the time I really felt like I'd failed because I never really made it to a major championships I was very injured my knees were like completely broken I could, my right knee would wake me up at night if I drove I'd have to stop pull over and stand up and like shake my leg out but yeah stopping athletics gave me this almost gives you like an identity crisis you're like who am I now like, if I don't do this who am I and at the same time as that I was doing modeling so I was getting work off the back of the kind of what athletics gave me that was nothing to do with athletics it was like the the, the way I looked was felt like a felt kind of like a extra thing that I got from athletics I didn't I didn't train for my body I just it was just how it was because it was the most functional for what I did so 
after I stopped, I still was modeling. So I was still training like I used to, I was training like an athlete because it's the only way I knew how. And I also wanted to still kind of model, really. I still wanted the money for her. I still wanted the modeling jobs. So I was still training like an athlete. Indoor cycling has become such a huge part of your life now and your identity. We talk about exercise being so crucially wrapped up in it being fun. And in your introduction, like that seems like it's a big part of your ethos. But I guess it's so interesting to hear that chapter one, as we described it, maybe wasn't necessarily as fun. You know, when the drive is to be um, the best and to be competing at a high level and, you know, having to, I guess, keep up with this like huge drive of talent that are all trying to go after the same goal, maybe you lose the fun a little bit. And actually what's really nice is that you you clearly pivoted and went for the fun and lost that kind of aspect of, oh, I need to be doing this for X, Y, and Z. And instead just kind of like threw yourself into indoor cycling. And I think that's amazing to hear that you can have that kind of like second journey, that second wind with exercise where it might not necessarily be what you thought you were going to be doing, but actually you found something that kind of ticks all the boxes in terms of, you know, what really fills your cup and makes you feel good. Yeah, definitely. It would probably be ego as well. Like when you do athletics, you get, it's like, You've always got to walk around and think you're the best and it's it's about acting tough. And I feel like doing indoor cycling was that first place where I could like let that go and just actually just be myself. Like I have to be this big egotistical, tough human. So that was great as well. And I love that. And I think I really want to come on to this second half of indoor cycling and, and talking about your kind of journey to where you are now. But actually when I was doing my research for this podcast I always try and listen out if there are any podcasts that you've been on before and I was having a little listen to another one you'd done where you talked about this kind of identity crisis and talked about some personal stuff that you'd gone through that was really challenging that kind of I guess aligned with that same time as leaving the sport and and having to pivot in terms of your whole life and and where you saw it going and I wondered if you could share a bit of that with me. I was working at a gym and I'd started doing all my indoor cycling and it was going really well I feel like sometimes if you don't let one failure go they start to compound so I feel like leaving athletics I was carrying around this ego of of like having failed but I wouldn't let anyone know that I would always walk around big bad go into the gym still and strut around pick up the heaviest weights I could it's like look I'm an ex-athlete look how strong I am that and people would still say to me like oh you look like an like what do you do? You look like you do a sport. And I'd be like, yeah, I used to do triple jump. It was kind of like, I hadn't really let it go. That felt like a failure. Then I met someone after I stopped doing athletics and it felt like that was the replacement. So it was like, I've left athletics, didn't succeed in that, but now I'm going to have this perfect life. I'm going to meet someone. We're going to be together. We're going to have kids and it's all going to work out. So I left athletics at the right time because this was meant to happen because this is what life is meant to be. This is it. This is life. So when that started to fall apart, I was like, oh man, I kind of had these two big failures that I hadn't, like, I hadn't really dealt with the first one, like leaving athletics. And I kind of just masked it with this relationship. And then when that fell apart, I was like, wow, it felt like the first time I really had to like face myself. And it was the first time, obviously with athletics, no one can, no one really knew how I was feeling on the inside. With the relationship, it felt like everyone could see it. Everyone could see it fall apart. And I've the, the ego in me couldn't couldn't deal with everyone being able to see it. No one actually cares, by the way. Like if, if you're with someone or not, it's none of their business. It's no one else's business. But um, I I thought it was at the time. It's all I had is like people's opinions and what people thought. So when they saw that breakdown, 
think that's when I really completely just let go of having like any form of ego. I was like, right, people have seen me fail massively. And I'm in this room with all these people. They're all, they're all cycling with me. They're all looking at me. And I've really got nothing. Like when I tell you nothing to lose anymore, I've got nothing to lose. I've got nothing that no no ego is going to save me anymore. They all they all know what's happened. So I felt like it was the first time I really was like, let's just be ourselves. Let's just be ourselves. Let me just be myself, like wholeheartedly be myself. And that is when I started to see more people start to come to my classes. I think some of the things that I started to say in my classes resonated with a lot of people. But I feel like I was really just saying out loud what I needed to hear myself. So it'd be like, don't let anyone stop you from achieving your dreams just because things don't go right. Doesn't mean you can't start again. You're so amazing. But it was like, I was talking to myself. I needed to hear it myself, but I was sharing it with a room and it just started to work more and more. I saw my classes get more, more and more full. Then you go to wait list and then your confidence grows. And then it's just like, yo, I'm confident in being myself because I'm getting back to while I'm being myself. And it was just like, a, it just kind of snowballed together. So yeah, it was, it, it was a funny little journey. Like I didn't know it would get me to where I am today, to be honest. Out of the lowest lows often come the highest highs. And I honestly, I truly believe that. And I always think in the moments where I felt at that low point, that I'm just like, something's coming. There's a hill coming where I'm going to be on another high. And I know that it's there and I know that it's in sight. But it's really hard to believe it when you're at the bottom and you've got that hill to climb. And I think that um, what sounds like what worked for you and why I love that story so much is you leaned into your vulnerability. And I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned, you know, I've been a personal trainer for almost 10 years. I think that the biggest thing that connects me with my clients and with my people that I'm working with is you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Nobody wants to walk into a room and see someone with this armor up where they're like, you know, I am gonna train you until you are sweating your tits off and you know whatever like it just it doesn't connect and actually like what it sounds like you did and I think you know from from what I see from you online and stuff I think you let your guard down and you let yourself be that vulnerable person who is flawed and has emotions and has good days and bad days and you know me myself I'd way rather show up to someone's class who's like that who's gonna give me their complete honesty and who I'm going to be able to connect with on that deeper level and and want to work hard for rather than someone who's, you know, the drill master who's just telling me what to do. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And I really think you should honor that in the terms of that's a really hard thing to do in front of a room of people, um, Hannah. And the fact that you were able to do that is is amazing. It really is. And like, you know, I think that we we often overlook how powerful exercise can be in healing from a lot of stuff you know, and I think that um, it sounds like it is a big part of your journey. To me, it, it is my journey. Like that's that 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 moment in time for me will be so special. Like I can look back at the playlists that I did. I kept them all like in my Spotify, and it's almost like a diary. Like the songs I was I was picking were like <laughs> they were the songs I needed to hear in that moment. But I feel like what where I was so lucky is I got to shit like you said, like it's healing, but it's healing together. So you're in a room together and some people feel really good when especially like with group fitness, you're in a room and some people feel really good and some people feel really, really rubbish at that time. And you're all coming together and it's like if you're feeling amazing that day, you're 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 passing that amazing energy 
over to the people who aren't feeling great, who need that energy. Like I've really felt that in my group fitness classes, like in my indoor cycling classes, I really felt like I never, ever left the room feeling worse than when I got in. I, I always left feeling better. Genuinely don't know where I would where I would have been or what would have happened if I hadn't have found that particular little indoor cycling world. I genuinely don't know what would have happened to me. I love that. Now, one of the things that I really love hearing about, and I love this because I know there are a lot of coaches who listen to this podcast or people that are generally in the fitness industry, and they love to hear about the things that might not necessarily have gone right at the start. We all make mistakes and do things wrong and try things that don't necessarily go our way when we're starting out on our kind of fitness journey. And I'm really interested to hear about your kind of things that you look back on and say, I can't believe I did that. Or, oh my God, can you believe I did that then? I would never do that now. Like, I love those moments. So I'd love to hear if you have any of those. I was the queen of the go hard or go home army. Like I said, I wanted everyone to think that I was the one that was lifting the heaviest weights in the gym. I, you know, I kind of like prided myself for no reason. Like, like I said before, no one actually cares. So I don't know who I was, why it mattered to me. Ego. We just need a big it. Ego. Like to be like, oh, and like I lift the most in this gym. I'm <laughs> I lift the most. Like just lifting really heavy weights. Now I feel like now I'm probably like the all round fittest I've been. My core. I feel like when I did athletics, I'd always put strength and power over kind of say like inner core work. I'd never really kind of got to grips with that. So I had a hernia. I think it's probably because I didn't have the control in my core. It was only tiny, but it was this little lump. And if I kind of pushed, if I pushed out, whenever I like would exhale and push out, it would come out. And I just learned to like push it in. And I just thought that was normal, like pushing in a lump of like, I don't know what it is. It's just like your internal fat, like just pushing it back in after deadlifting. And it was like, you might be deadlifting 120, but it's not normal to be pushing your belly back in. So going hard and going home, it's, it's, <laughs> I feel like it has an expiry date and I'm glad that maybe Peloton came at the right time that I never got to see anything like worse injuries than maybe just the hernia. Like, the hernia is gone now. I had, I had my little surgery on it. Since then, I've learned how to really like control my core and control my abs and breathe properly through exercises that right now I'm not lifting as much as I used to, but I feel so much better. Like progress, I think before I would see progress as being, you need to lift more. But now I would say I've progressed so much more because my lifts look better and I feel I feel better when I do it, which to me is a win that I think younger me didn't even know could be a win. I absolutely love that. And I definitely think there's something in being more intuitive with our training. Like I've so been there, Hannah. Like I remember times where I'd go in the gym and even if I was like exhausted, I'd be like, no, last week I lifted this. So I need to lift the same this week, if not heavier. Now, like I'm so much more fluid in terms of like, if I have a great week where I've slept really well and I feel amazing, I can go in and I can lift the heavy weights. But also, you know, on the flip side, if I've had a terrible week where I'm stressed and tired and busy, I'm not going to put that pressure on myself. There is honestly no need. And all it's doing is to fuel my ego. Like that's the only purpose that is serving. And I'm over that now. So I totally, I, I completely agree with you that it's one of those things that we have to kind of learn to get over 
But once you do, like that intuitive approach and that ability to kind of be able to pull back is is so much more sustainable. That's the thing, it's the sustainability is that, that we're going to be doing this for a long time. And I, like you said, I think what's really mad about that is calling it a mistake is that, like you just said it that I don't think no one could tell me <laughs> at that time that I was doing. If someone said you don't have to lift the heavy weights, it, I'll be like... maybe for you we're not the same but we're not the same you know I just you could not tell me no one could tell me and like you said I think we all have to go on our own journeys to get there but trust me when you get there when you get to where we are honey I can watch you in the gym lifting I'm like cool bro like it means nothing to me it means nothing like I love that I love that we'll be back after this Welcome back to Give Me Strength. Now let's talk Peloton because I know that you literally have what some people would describe as their dream job. I mean, it looks amazing. You are absolutely smashing it. Talk to me about the journey to where you are now in terms of your career with Peloton. You've almost done this really well because the journey carries on. So when I was saying like the little compound of failures, this Peloton, <laughs> Peloton came along at like perfect time because... I knew who they were. I'd heard about them pre, like in previous years. Because when I joined Peloton, it wasn't massive in the UK yet. There were two instructors. There was Ben. There were Ben and Leanne, and they were record. They weren't even recording live classes in London yet. They were pre-recording a lot of their classes, and they had like a makeshift studio. So I was the third and fourth instructor to join Peloton. So it had already been in the UK for a year. And I'd had obviously this big failure in my relationship. I was engaged, so I was engaged to get married. We we had like a venue. We serendipity is a is a beautiful thing because we had a venue, but they wouldn't let us put a deposit down. So thank goodness because I didn't really lose that much money. But I had a wedding planned, tried on all the wedding dresses and that, and it didn't work out. Kind of went out there. We had a house as well, so it was like getting rid of the house and. So I'd gone through this big failure. <laughs> then maybe nine months later, Peloton, not even that, I don't think, I don't think it was that long, but Peloton were looking for new instructors. And I think there was a little bit of me that was like, I genuinely cannot take another failure. Like I, I cannot get another one on top of this. I cannot do it. But I had so much, I think it was the fire in my belly. I was like, I was in the right place at the right time. I'd gone through stuff. I knew who I was. I knew what I wanted. There was all this stuff that I was like, now's the time because I did speak to Cody Rigsby, who's one of uh, who's one, probably like the big, one of the biggest Peloton instructors. I spoke to him when he was auditioning um, Ben and Leanne and it never materialized into anything more than just a conversation with him. So I remember thinking then like, oh, what did I not do? Like, why did they not come? Why was it not me? Let it go, live my life, became a really good instructor, gained all these other life experiences. So when they came knocking again, I was like, cool, let's go. Like, let's let's give it a real go. Like, it's me now. Like, it's my time. Like, let's go. I, I want this now. And yeah, I got it. <laughs> But I'm guessing it wasn't an easy process to get the job. Like there's lots of kind of things that you have to go through in order to to be a Peloton instructor. I mean, they have a very specific type of person that they they love to have. I remember actually, funny story. 
I bumped into Ben just when he got given the Peloton job. I bumped into him at the gym and I'd known Ben like roughly before that. And he was like, yeah, I've just got this job. I'm working with this company called Peloton. And I was like, oh, sounds amazing. Didn't see him for another few years. And I was like, oh my God, it's huge. So in order to get there, like it's such a big thing. So what gave you that confidence to kind of go through, I guess, round after round and and I guess see that that ultimate goal was within your reach? Good old Ben. Always <laughs> out and about, isn't he? He was, everyone knows Ben. <laughs> Shout out to Ben. But I would say that becoming an instructor, it's almost like they trust that you're good at your job, but they really want to know who you are. So a lot of the interviewing process felt like it was just all these people get, getting to know who you who you really were. And not that they were trying to catch you out, but it was like probably the little things that counted, like how did you talk to people when you came into the room? How did you, not just the people that were interviewing you, but everyone along the way, like we have to give so much of ourselves in in what we do because we're live. Like you can't really lie when you're live and exercising. I mean, to me, exercising is so vulnerable. So if you were faking your interviews, when you're live on a screen and you're sweating and you're feeling a little bit in your in yourself, in your feelings, and you're not the person who you're trying, you, you're saying, if you're not as real as you, you're trying to be, you're gonna slip up. So I think a lot of the interview process was about them kind of just checking your character. So we chatted to loads of different people. It is like interview after interview, after interview, after interview, talking to the exec producer, talking to the people in America, the, the people at the top in America. Then it's speaking to the instructors in America. But the moment that I thought, right, they've got it or I haven't, I really wanted it. And I spoke to um, one of our instructors called Robin. And I think I was like, why am I having to prove myself so much? Like I am who I am. They're getting who they're getting. And like, I'm done with all this interviewing. It'd been like about eight or eight months of interviewing. And I think I was starting to get angry. And when I spoke to Robin, I was getting really angry on the inside. And I remember at the end of it, I was like, look, if you don't take me, you're going to have to take someone else. And no one else is going to be going to be as good as me at this. But that's up to you. Like, I, I think I actually said that because I, I think I'd, I'd gained so much confidence in the process, in who I was, in my own personality, that I was like, do you know what? If you don't want me for who I am, that's perfect. Because that meant that this role was never actually meant for me in the first place. So it was such an eye-opening moment like when I said that out loud to Robin, because I was like, wow, I believe in who I am so much that if I'm the right person for this job, then I'm going to get it. But if I'm not, it's completely fine as well because it was never supposed to be mine in the first place. But obviously it was, and I did eventually get it after all the interviews. Um, goosebumps. That was amazing. <laughs> but do you know what it is? And I like I've had moments like this in my career recently where like you want something so badly and you feel like and I know there's gonna be people listening, you know, it can be put into so many different contexts, but whatever it is that you really want, it feels within touching distance, but you're just not quite there yet. And that frustration and that fire within you that kind of builds is is something that can be used for good like and it's amazing that you kind of channeled that into I guess as you said kind of like discovering your sense of self like it sounds like you really in that process found yourself and you know you've talked about how you came from you know a really um challenging breakup 
uh, a walking away from a career that had been a huge part of your life. Like, I know this might be a bit kind of like grand to say, but it really sounds like Peloton was your kind of rebirth as such. Like it was like, this is me version two, I'm leveling up and I know who I am and I know what I want. And I just want to hold that for a second because that is how powerful exercise can be. And I know it sounds really cringe to say that and some people are going to be like, oh my God. But when I think about my life and what exercise has done for me, my journey before and after finding training is very much a version one and version two. And I just love that that's mirrored in you. I love that you stepping onto the bike and seeing that vision of yourself, you know, having like all of this success and things really like just taking off. That was because you you had that belief in yourself and exercise brought that to you. And oh my God, I love that. And I just want people that are listening to kind of really feel that that's the, that's the beauty of exercise. We can get so wrapped up in, oh, but I don't look the right way. Oh, but I'm not very good at this. Oh, but like, you know, I, my body's not changing or whatever. You know, those aesthetic thoughts, they can go. But actually like what stays, what keeps us going, what's the most like valuable part of training is it helps me to find me. And holy moly, I just, I love that. I got real goosebumps then. Wow. It was goosebumps with goosebumps because you just, you just put it in a package like so beautifully. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Now, look, one of the things that I am genuinely really interested in is that I think we've talked about all the good sides of exercise, but I think I I love hearing about the not so great days. And it's not to say that like, I'm going to dwell on that, but we all have them. And I think it is really important to talk about them. And you have to show up continuously on the bike with high energy. But I am going to guess that you're not someone who's motivated absolutely every day of the year, year round. There might be days where you're a bit tired. You might feel a bit kind of sluggish, whatever. What are the things that you really lean on to like motivate you to get yourself in a good headspace to know that that exercise is going to make you feel better? I think sometimes I'm motivated in knowing that I won't always, like you just said, that I won't always be motivated so that I can't always lean on the fact that I'm going to want to do this. It's easier to stay in bed than to get up and go to the gym. And that's just the simple truth. Like whether you love going to the gym or not, it's easier to do, to not go. So, I mean, first and foremost, I should probably say that it is my job. So I feel like sometimes personal trainers and people that like hang around gyms a lot, forget to mention that to people who are sitting at desks all day. So my life is completely different to someone like that. I don't know the challenges of sitting down all day and then not wanting to go to the gym. When I was a personal trainer, I'd be in a gym. So it's hard, it's easy to be motivated when you're already in that space. So there's that. It, it is my it is my job to get up and come and come and get on the bike. But on a personal level, I would say that I always think about myself in the future, what I want in my future and who I want to be in my future. And I'm not like so up to, I don't know everything there is this, I'm gonna say a big bad word, menopause. I don't know loads about it, but I do know that it's like this, it feels to me like it's going to be like a little internal battle and I kind of want to be ready for it. And one thing that I feel like I'm always training for is that moment in my life, which I think sounds really weird, but I think when I say that, what I mean is I feel like when I exercise, I'm showing up for myself in the same way I would show up for my nephews my cousin's son if he had a recite a play or was doing something at his school 
and I didn't want to go. Well, when you've got children and you've, they've got to do these things and really you don't want to go, but you still show up for them because you love them. I feel like showing up for myself and exercising is exactly the same as that. It's it's just the way that I can show myself love for myself in that moment and also for the future version of myself. So I think like, I think motivation is, is, is a bit of a, it's a hard thing to lean on. I lean on the fact that I'm not motivated at all, actually, that none, no one is as probably as motivated than anyone thinks. But I think some people have just got a level of love and discipline. I think them two things are actually one of the same. I think being disciplined is a way of showing yourself the utmost respect of love, really. So, yeah, on those days that you're not motivated, you need to be disciplined because you need to, it's love, really. That's just, that's how I view it. Yeah. And I do think that word needs a little bit of weight because I think, you know, I, I very much practice, you know, compassion and taking days off when you're, when it, you know, it feels too much and whatever. And, you know, I totally get that it is a luxury when you're a personal trainer to be able to, to, to do those things. And I think it's important to have that caveat, but I think that discipline is important at the same time. You know, I'm someone who cannot rely on simply motivation alone to get myself up and get myself moving. Like I have to have a level of sitting down on a Sunday and saying, when am I going to train? And if it's in my diary, it's in my diary and I'm nine times out of 10, I'm going to get up and I'm going to stick to that. And I do think that, you know, we we can have that like two-sided conversation. Yes, it's okay to take rest days and to be compassionate to yourself and to go easy on yourself when you need to, but also like week in, week out, like some level of discipline because ultimately it is an, a form of self-care. It is a way of taking care of yourself. It's giving yourself that me time. It's giving yourself kind of that, that moment to connect with your body and with your mind and and really focus in and I think that that, that that's a really important conversation to have one of the things that I we, we're nearing my final few questions and one of the things that I am really interested in is hearing about your kind of health non-negotiables um, we haven't talked talk much about your kind of overall health and wellness approach um, but I guess all of us have our kind of touch points of things that we do week in week out which make us feel at our best I know that cycling is obviously one of those for you in terms of um, peloton but are there other things that you really lean on that you find make a big difference to how you feel across your week I go to the gym I still I still really enjoy lifting weights I enjoy it as well like I do enjoy it we need to do a session together oh my gosh babe let's do it I genuinely like it like I, I do like it so that feels like a non-negotiable to me. I want to go to I want to go to the gym. I want I want the growth. Like I said, it doesn't look the same as it did like maybe 10 years ago now. I'm not squatting what I used to squat. I guess really the biggest non-negotiable from when I was younger to now is a good solid long warm-up. Like I need to earn the right to lift. I'm I'm getting tight. I'm I'm in my mid thirties and I'm getting tight. And I'm like, if I carry on like this, I don't know what's going to happen when I get older. Like I need to, I need I guess really biggest non-negotiable for me at this age <laughs> is to mobilize my body properly before I lift. Even though I love lifting, I need to almost earn the right to lift now. That's got to be my biggest non-negotiable. I love that. I turned thirty this year and. I don't know what happened in that overnight period between turning 29 and 30, but my God, my body. <laughs> like, but I actually think that's a really nice way to put it. I've never heard someone say that you need to earn the right to lift. And I do think it's a big thing. Like 
we can't just expect year in year out our bodies to do the same things that they did when they were 18 like unfortunately that's not how life works but also it's about equipping yourself with the kind of know-how to be able to approach those sessions and still do the same but just give yourself that little bit more time to to really earn the right to then do the session that you want to do I love that okay Hannah my final question even though I could talk to you all day um (laughs) what is something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started your fitness journey oh my gosh not something that I wouldn't know but that I'm still going to be doing it that this is the longest game ever that this is that this is a long game one of my favorite music artists Drake he says he's here for a a good time not a long time but I like to remix what he says and in in terms of like health and fitness I'm here for a good time and a long time so I wish I stopped acting like I was going to run out of time and like I felt like I had that feeling that I had to go hard and go or go home. I had to go do the hardest session in the gym possible. Like I wish I'd have looked at the longevity in this fitness space because it's something I think about almost every day now that I'm, I'm here for a long time and a good time and in order to be here in the long run I might have to do a couple things in the present that I don't love like I said like the mobilizing and making sure my ankles are healthy and like building things up if I say I wanted to start doing something new like run build my runs up or yeah like not not try and lift the heaviest weight in the gym anymore but just (laughs) appreciate that this body is gonna be with me for a long like we're gonna be it's a long it's a long journey so I just wish I'd have probably looked after my my um, my little body better when I was a bit younger. I love that. Oh my goodness, this has been such an amazing episode. I so love chatting to you. Honestly, um, you are just the most lovable, genuine, authentic person. And I can so see why your classes are so popular because my God, you are just sunshine. So thank you so much. Um, really grateful for your time and uh, yeah we can't wait to hopefully do that session on the gym floor oh, at some babe, point let's do this I've been watching you for, I've been watching you I've been watching you that would be like a dream and Hannah if anyone does want to join your classes which I'm pretty sure they will after this can you tell me where they can find you well if you want to come and do a class with me you can click on the link in the show notes that are on this podcast and we have a 30-day free trial at Peloton at the moment. So get involved. Come over. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you, babe. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I would love it if you could take some time to rate, review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it. We have a new episode dropping each week. So this will also ensure you don't miss out. See you next time. Insanity Group.